Wheels, 11.46 a.m., February 20th, entering the RSS feed of Got It Memorized, a Twin Peaks podcast with a Kingdom Hearts quote for a title. Shouldn't be too hard to remember. I'm sure the hosts have a fun show. That's what I need, a fun show reasonably paced. My name's Joe. I'm joined, as always, by Wheels. How are you, Wheels? I'm good. I hope the listener is prepared, especially if they are, uh, like, watching along with us, maybe, or maybe, like, haven't seen season two and are just watching it now. Uh-huh. When you get to this episode, like, I hope you're ready that it's just a TV show now. Like, yeah, this is where season two, it's we're real episodic in a way that it's a longer season. We haven't been. There's not really a ton of plot movement in this entire episode. It's mostly a contained thing. There are there are subplots that move, but the main plot is that M.T. Wentz is coming to Twin Peaks. Who's M.T. Wentz? I don't know, a food critic, apparently. He's the or bass player a... in that one band. <laughs> M. Pete Wentz. Yep. And we don't even see him, but it's, you know what? Great, whatever. Or maybe we do. Maybe we do. I don't think we do. Maybe he's in the background, or she's in the background, or they're in the background. Truly, who could say? Uh, yeah, no, this is very much, uh, this is really settled into a TV show, despite like a couple of nice little visual flourishes here and there we start with one of those where the you don't really know what you're looking at at first it just looks like a big cavern kind of with like it's like white around the edges and we are spiraling and zooming out as we're hearing a woman screaming um and then we hear a girl's voice which i guess through context clues we could assume is like a young laura Mm -hmm. talking to her dad saying daddy as we're like overlaid on that scream which is terrifying and we keep zooming out and swirling that way until we realize that the you know enormous cavern that we were just in is actually just a tiny hole in the i don't know what to describe if it were in the ceiling i would call it like a popcorn ceiling or not popcorn the opposite of that where there's a little hole it's one of those things where it's like the little holes in the ceiling tile but but it's it's more confusing in this case because it's in a wall but he's in the interrogation room he being leland palmer uh, Laura's dad, uh, and he's just so thousand yard stare that his stare is all the way into bo- bored into the wall. Mm-hmm. Is kind of how I view the that visual effect, and he kind of finally comes to to the question that sheriff, uh, or rather the statement that sheriff is trying to uh, say, but he's unable to get his attention. So he's saying, Leland, Leland, you have the right to an attorney. And then yeah, we we leave that kind of really interesting visual thing, and we go into a more traditional scene from that point, and it's. Leland confessing to murdering Jacques Renault. That's the long and short of this scene. We recall he once he heard that someone was arrested for the murder of his daughter, he broke into the hospital and smothered Jacques Renault, the arrested person, with a pillow. Yeah. Truman and Cooper have since found out, and uh, he's been arrested, and he seems like he's confessing. Yep, he confesses pretty straightforward. He's like, yeah, I thought that he killed my daughter. And they were like, why did you think that? And he's like, well, you arrested him. And they're like, shit, he did arrest him. That is Partly why they thought he was a suspect, even though I don't know if they thought he did it himself. I mean, it's still a pretty fucked up thing to do, Leland. You still killed a man. Yeah. And he, did, he, did he didn't do even do the thing you killed him for. He uh, says a line that I like uh, where Leland asks, have you ever experienced absolute loss? And Cooper says, I doubt that any one of us is a stranger to grief. But Leland says, more than grief. It's deep down inside every cell screams you can hear nothing else 
Uh, and that's the last thing he says before he says, yes, I killed him. Yes. Uh, it's just a real powerful performance from oh, yeah. Mr. Ray Wise there. Ray Wise rules. I was going to make a joke because this episode is directed by Todd Holland, currently known as being Spider-Man. I was going to say older brother of uh, Nathan Drake. Yeah, <laughs> that's Sam. Todd Holland. I don't know what else he's done in uh, directing. I this He's done two episodes of Twin Peaks, but oh, not to be confused with Tom Hollander either. Another director huh. or the country holland yeah not to be confused or or holland michigan nearby mm. where i grew up mm-hmm. there's a neat little back and forth between cooper and doc hayward where it's like doc hayward is almost like giving excuses for leland even though he's they're yeah. like out of the interrogate he's like we'll need a psychiatric exam i'll tell you one thing parents should not bury their children anyone who's been through what leland has has and Cooper just interrupts him and he says, do you approve of murder, Dr. Hayward? Because he's like, I, this is not an excuse. Like, I know you know the guy, but he killed the guy. I, yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like, I know you know the guy and think he's a good guy, lost his daughter, probably have no positive feelings for the guy who got killed. And yet, still murder. Yep. Pretty much the end of their conversation, though. And then um, Cooper walks off. And it becomes a scene where Andy gets Doc Hayward's attention because they're still in the sheriff's department. And Andy's like, I gotta ask about my sperms. (laughs) (laughs) It's about my sperms test. You know, I flunked. (laughs) That's not the precise term for it. Well, I was just wondering if it's the kind of test you can take over. You know, like (laughs) um, a driver's exam. (laughs) I've been wearing boxer shorts every day, just like you told me. You know, I I talked about this being kind of episodic, but in an emotional sense, for an Andy, in an Andy Brennan sense, we are careening towards a line in a future episode that is like Mm -hmm. the pinnacle of deputy brennan uh, of andy in a way that is just beautiful we've referenced it multiple times i think by now it's wonderful to think about that we're Uh getting to it in the future and it's funny even now it's something to hold on to and andy says that he wants to take another shot at the he wants you know he wants to retake the test he wants Mm -hmm. to give another sperm sample um and see if maybe wearing the boxer shorts aired some things out and he was able to produce a few more spermies and uh uh-huh. doc hayward asked for a sample he needs to take it with him and andy's like right now? now i'm literally at work and doc hayward's like put it in a brown bag i'll wait in the car so the next scene is uh andy getting this little glass vial and i'm assuming a copy of flesh world that is evidence uh-huh which only makes it funnier and he's going towards the restroom but he bumps into lucy and she drops oh, no. a huge box of uh, coffee packets and he tries to help her clean them up. But as she moves him aside, she finds the magazine. She looks up and sees the restroom he was working towards. And it, it, oh, Andy. Oh, Andy. Yeah, she just wordlessly but furiously shoves it in his hand and stomps off with a humph. I mean, he was doing what it looks like. But the doctor told him, but it was doctor's orders. It is quite literally doctor's orders. But yeah, she continues to be sort of angry, takes it out on some other cop calling in. There's a couple like off screen cop voices in in this episode, but one of them is named Bob. And I'm like, that would have been part of the, if there was actually a guy named Bob Cooper would have been on top of that. I'm just, I just want that to be stated. (laughs) That's true. That's funny. I didn't even put two and two together. Huh. Uh, but anyways, Sheriff Truman lets us know that two new ca- we're going to see two new characters this episode. Uh, two characters are going to arrive today. One is Clinton Sternwood, who is the judge, who's a mm-hmm. character I quite like. Uh, and then also we'll get 
the state prosecutor, Daryl Lodwick, uh, both of which are heading towards Twin Peaks. Yep, uh, but yeah, Truman says that Clinton Sternwood travels the circuit in a Winnebago. Uh, he's the last of the frontiersmen. And Daryl Lodwick is the prosecutor for Hank's trial. Or wait, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're not here for... There's a thing with Hank later where Hank yeah. intuits that the prosecutor is there for him, but... I think it's... Leaving. I don't think they mention it here, so maybe he's... Maybe it's a misunderstanding on Hank's part, and or maybe it is, and I just don't remember. But uh, what... Truman says is, well, we got a, or Cooper says, well, we got a bail hearing for Leland and Leo's competency examination. So it sounds like those are the two things that we have a judge and a prosecutor for. Yeah, I don't know if anything's going on with Hank in that department anyway. He might start some shit and it becomes his problem, but I think he's just right. on probation as far as that's concerned. They also check in on Hawk in the Pearl Lakes house subplot, uh, which... Uh, court, the count Ch- Truman explains that the county says that nobody by the name Robertson ever lived next to the Palmers, and they got a current address on the last occupants, which is Callis Spell. Yep, we don't check back in with that until later, or maybe at all. I don't really remember. Not in this episode. We get uh, another scene that kind of mixes the mystery plot with the Andy's come plot. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, because Andy Andy works fast. Is what is like that. <laughs> I don't know if, if any like time is supposed to be hidden in these in these cuts. And, like, it doesn't he's feel at like it. Work like that's not a conduce. Like I, we don't need to get super into this. No, we don't. But that's not a very conducive vibe. I think we've gotten anyway, too much into it as is. The the way that this connects is that he's like he drops it embar- he drops the vial embarrassingly and he has to pick it up and in doing so he reveals the sole of his boots to Cooper. Uh, which are which have the same logo, they're the same brand as that circle brand boot that they discovered along with the cocaine at Leo's yep. place. And they noted that when they found those boots and the cocaine, they noticed that circle brand is not a common brand. And Andy said he got those boots from Philip Gerard, the one-armed shoe salesman. So um, Cooper is kind of putting together maybe there's some sort of connection. It was just another thing somehow connecting this guy who has no reason to be connected with the case, uh, Philip Gerard, yep. another connection between him and the case. Yeah, but yeah, and the person Andy bumps into, he does say, sorry, Bob, and then I'm just like, my ears perk up. Yeah, it's like the Metal Gear Solid, like, it's the attention sound. Yeah. A Bob? But yeah, no, that's that's that whole scene. Well, different Mike, different Bob. Yeah, a- Andy's like bent over, reaching under a chair for a while as they have this conversation. Yeah, but then, yeah, as you explained, that's what Cooper thinks the plan is. But then he he asks what's up with Lucy. He doesn't get an answer right away because the scene ends. Sure does. Let's see. What do we have next? A we new have... character. That's right. Uh, I don't think we've seen is it, Louis Is it Louis? I, it's, it's spelled like, I guess it would be Louis. It, well, I'm pretty sure they say Louis because I think the, subs, oh, okay. the subtitles yeah, yeah, on my Blu-ray sense. gave it an E. But this... Uh, Script here on GlastonburyGrove.net has it spelled the French way, which maybe makes sense in context. Right. Uh, so she is Louis here is she's a front desk person at the Great Northern. So I don't think we've seen her before. No, I don't think so. She says to Ben Horn, owner of the establishment, I heard through my sister's friend that M.T. Wentz, the famous Seattle restaurant critic, is coming to Twin Peaks and 
probably going to stay at the Great Northern. She's like, I'm I'm going to be watching. Like, if anyone pays with just, you know, Empty Ones' whole thing is that they are completely anonymous. They travel under an assumed name, and no one even knows the... No one knows the gender, the rate, the, and anything about this person. And so Louis is just saying, I'm going to watch out for anyone who uses cash only, uh, and I'm going to make sure they're treated well. And uh, Ben Horn is happy with this. Um, so this introduces uh, basically the subplot of the episode. This spells it wince with an S. My subtitles used a Z. Love the lack of consistency there for these things. Well, Glastonbury Grove spells Glastonbury wrong. So That's true. Maybe the right spelling was taken. Fair. I don't know if you tried to go to a Glastonbury Grove spelling it correctly and got a 404. But yeah, anyways. Um, I, you know, I'm past my, you know, maybe in my younger days when both I and the internet were younger, it was fun to just put random shit in the address bar and hit enter and see what happens. But, you know, got to play it safely. My, uh, my, my internet knees are weak in my old age. That's Can't, fair. Uh, uh, stretch that far anymore but uh ben, ben horn walks out of that first conversation and into another one he goes into his office where we find a jean renault if you remember last time is uh connected to the stuff at one-eyed jacks and he's here to sort of say hey we got your daughter and i have you're gonna do a bunch of shit for me if you want her back yeah he's the middleman, and he's making a uh, in this ransom deal and he's making a lot of his own demands most importantly to us is that he demands that Cooper be the person to deliver the money. Because if you recall, Jean blames Cooper for the deaths of his brothers, Bernard and Jacques. That's true. He also wants in on the business. That's right. Yeah. He also wants to be Ben's new partner with uh, at the Great Northern. And Ben is like, I guess fine because I do need I I don't like her all that much, but I do in fact need my daughter back. Doesn't learn where she is though. Um, I don't know if he pieces it together because it's John and talking about one eye jacks, but I don't, he, he's not told that that's where she is. I think he pieces it together because John says that she's at. Uh, he says like about one eye jacks. He's like you know got a lot of thieves and. You know, kidnappers over there yeah. essentially is Pick, what he said. Pickpockets so. and fools. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's that's why he is like, yeah, I need to be your jokers partner. even because yeah. it's cards. Oh, yeah, jokers, riddlers, riddler isn't a card. Mister freezes. Uh, anyway, yeah, he wants Cooper to deliver the money, and he wants to be a partner of One Eyed Jack. So that's yeah. basically the end of the scene. Yeah. So that, I mean, yeah, that plus yeah, cash partner, FBI man is what he says at the end. Uh, which yet yep. I like Benjamin's response, which is, "This is supposed to be an equitable exchange." Which is like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's ransom. Yeah, no, this is kidnapping. Uh, but yeah, so Ben reaches out to Agent Cooper, which we'll see a scene later. Um, and then we get to the Double R Diner, where we get a couple scenes. Starts Norma's on the phone. She's learning about Wince, which we'll uh, get to a little bit later. Yeah, I guess Louis called Norma to be I guess like, they know hey. each other. Yeah, yeah. Keep an eye out. Um, you scratch if he comes to the double R. Tell him to go to the Great Northern later. If he comes to the Great Northern, tell him to go to the double R later. Essentially, is there? Yeah, agreement. Yeah, and uh, Hank is giving Meals on Wheels uh, food to Donna, who says that she's having lunch with someone on the route, and he makes a joke about that. She goes off, and then 
I think she doesn't leave because I think she's still in this scene. Yeah, because she's about to talk to Madeline. But before that, Hank and Norma are talking about Pete Wentz. And they're talking about empty Wentz. And Hank is like, uh, you know, you spruce this place up. I'm going to go get some tablecloths and some candles and we'll make this diner fancy as shit. And so, yeah, they uh, he goes out to do that. Yep. Uh, He runs off. Uh, She seems to be. Uh, what's the word? Uh, I don't know. Pleasantly surprised by his sort of enthusiasm in supporting this place. I don't know. It's, he's been less of a focus since the second season started, but he is still doing the thing where he's a piece of shit, trying to be really good to her, probably for malicious Mm -hmm. reasons. But I think that gray area is on purpose. Um, I was incorrect. Donna actually does go straight to harold smith's place for lunch it's later that she has the conversation with madeline because she's gonna report back on this conversation yes. to madeline the the scene with madeline is when the double r has been spruced up now that i'm thinking about it i can i can visualize the tablecloth i can see twin peaks i, can, I truly can conversation turns to like harold that you know they're having they're toasting to laura they're having a nice lunch he just casually says her diary did i tell you i had it which like she knew that he did, but he didn't tell her. So yeah. she's like, no, super no. Didn't what? what? Diary. What? Didn't they already have that? And then he then I love he's like, shall I read something from it? Seems appropriate. Which no, it doesn't. No. <laughs> Why it, do you think that? It seems weird that you have it anyway, Harold. Shouldn't you give that to the police? Which she doesn't. I don't know ask. if you heard Harold, but she died. Yeah. Uh but Donna's playing along. This is just as much uh sting for her as much as maybe she is emotionally confused uh but he does Harold start to read. picks the wrong picks a bad page because maybe the page on, he i reads almost out of, wonder if it's on purpose i he, think it must be because the page the the sequence that he reads is basically laura saying like i like donna a lot and she's a great influence in my life but when i try to talk to her about my problems she doesn't understand she just laughs and she changes the subject and that sucks is basically the summary of the diary entry. Diary entry, and Donna's like, "Okay, well, he, uh, he reads it. Thanks for reading that. I guess he reads it, and then once he gets to the like, it's obvious, I think, to us that she's talking about Donna, because uh, I mean, we know how TV works and the show works, but also just like when he gets to the like, I love Donna very much. He like stops and looks up, like I never. I'm so sorry, and then huh. and then he keeps reading." And talks about other stuff from the diary, but then he he's like, I'm sorry. And then later is like, I've read this cover to cover. And I'm like, so you probably did know, right? Yeah. But and yeah, because Donna says, if that's evidence, should we give it to the sheriff? And he's like, no, I've read this. There's nothing here. There's nothing. I promise. Trust me. <laughs> uh, and he's like, you know, it's kind of my thing. I don't go outside. So I get all my friends to come here and tell me their stories. And I kind of like to keep them as my... That's my way into the world is by accepting the stories of others. Sure, but she died. Right. No, I agree. <laughs> um, but that's what his answer is. Yeah. And she and Donna doesn't, you know, Donna is happy to keep getting information out of him. So she doesn't really object. Yeah. It's my read on the situation. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think Donna approves so much. She's like, well, I guess I'll keep hanging out and getting information about this diary. And I, yeah, she also I mean in this episode tells maddie she wants to just take it so we'll figure that out later uh but then we get benjamin horn talking to agent cooper about the 
Audrey stuff. Yeah, he doesn't say, oh, the middleman asked for you specifically. He, the way he words it is like, that's a you, know, you and Audrey know each other. You're already acquainted. You have a nice relationship. Um, I want you. They, I can't go to the cops with this. So that's why you uh, need to be the guy. And he's like, OK, fine. Yeah, he, I don't even know if we get him saying yes right away in this scene, but it does seem clear that he's intending on doing it later. Right. We, the next time we see him, he is preparing for this, so he must have acquiesced. Yeah. Uh, next scene is uh, Josie returning to the show, and also Pete, although he wasn't in Seattle. He's just not been on screen. But yeah, Josie comes home to Pete, and she says some line about, uh, she says she was thinking about what Andrew would have done about the fire. Thank goodness you had Catherine here. And Pete's like, because he thinks yeah, that Catherine she, died in the fire. Yep. And so they, you know, she gives him a, a nice little embrace, a, 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 a grief embrace, you know. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of those on these show. Yeah. Uh, and you see Pete is just, he's keeping it together, but. He maybe shouldn't be is kind of the vibe I get. And he says, you know, we're uh, planning a service, but they haven't found the body. A couple of days will go ahead. I don't know exactly what we'll be burying. It's a real, it's a real sad situation. Yeah. Uh, for a real nice guy in this show. And that's the end of the scene. Brings a whole new meaning to the phrase for Pete's sake. True. We hit one eyed jacks. We get a scene where uh, Jean kills Emery. Remember Emery? No. The, the, ma the like, manager at the department store who's also part of the One-Eyed Jacks operation who, like, recruits people? Yeah, the, the horny vacuum man. His most, yeah. his most memorable feature. That's true. Jean kills him because he, like, was rough with Audrey and bringing her from one place to another, and he uh, shoots him. Yeah, weird. I guess to just prove to Audrey, like... I'm not going to hurt you. In fact, I will punish people if they do because I want the money that you will get me. But also don't fuck with me. This <laughs> is kind of like the image that gets across. And it must be horrifying to be Audrey in that moment because she's a uh, line also make clear that she's been drugged. Mm -hmm. And boy, would I not want to be drugged, tied up and have a guy shoot another guy near me and then embrace me and I say would, it's all going I to be OK. Want any of those things to happen separately. Yeah. Let alone yeah. together. Uh, but yeah, bad, bad times for Audrey currently. Um, yeah, it's interesting that he, John steps in and is like, oh, I, I'm going to help you so that way you're not implicated in Marie. And then he just shoots him anyway, because it's, it's just about him getting things for himself out of it. Yep. Um, but yeah, that summarizes that scene. Um, and then we have uh, another Andy Lucy scene. Well, sort of. Yeah, nothing too grand with it. Andy wants to talk to her, but she's like, why don't you go talk to your fucking porno? <laughs> why don't you talk to your porno mag? Yeah, Cooper steps in, tells him to step outside and tries to talk to Lucy, but uh, doesn't really, I mean, there's no sort of emotional climax anything yet. It's just kind of uh, some more information that they were dating for a long time. And then Lucy kind of, I guess, wanted a different type of guy. So she went out with Dick Tremaine. Yeah, she basically says like she started dating dick because he was the exact opposite of andy in every way he's like fancy and mean as opposed he's like fancy erudite and mean as opposed to simple gormless and nice you yeah. know <laughs> yeah so it's a neat scene and it doesn't cooper you can tell cooper like went into it thinking he could get some resolution out of this because it's kind of 
you know, the tension isn't great for the working environment because they all have to work there, but he is not able to clear the tension. She is still upset as she leaves. And Truman is like, you know what? It kind of happens. We're all used to it at this point. Yeah, I think the, the main takeaway from that scene is that he asks if she wants to get back together with Andy and she just says, I don't know. He asks what she does want. She says, I don't know and walks off. I don't think anyone but Andy knows that she's pregnant also. There's that, but uh, yeah, when Harry comes in and says, don't worry about it, it'll work itself out, um, Cooper asks, he says he has a dangerous situation, and he wants someone from the book house boys to help him out, but he doesn't want to even tell Harry what's going on. So he's like, give me your best man. And he's like, all right, they'll be there at 930 at the roadhouse, and then that's it. Yep. Let's see. What's next? Uh, Double R Diner. Yeah, a guy comes to the Double R, and Norma and Hank are like, that, that's got to be him. That's got to be M.T. Wentz. I've never seen this guy in my life, and there's like 40 people in this town. Never seen him before. Has a briefcase. Giant cowboy hat. I mean, checks all the boxes. Truly. For an M.T. Wentz. So they if kick ever out I did see a one. toad. They kick out Toad, who's like a recurring background character who's always messily eating like a chili burger or something. Mm -hmm. And Hank was like, take this into the kitchen. Uh, And so then he starts eating it in the kitchen. And then Norma, who wasn't part of that conversation, sees him in the kitchen. She's like, Toad, what are you doing in my kitchen? Get out. (laughs) Oh, which is great. Um, But yeah, they set up a fancy table for him and they're like, would you like to try one of our specials? And he's like, no, hamburger, medium, fries. Me, me, whenever I go anywhere. Huh. Yeah, I mean that's about it. It's it's a silly sort of scene. I think th- has the has the thunder and lightning started because I think for the rest of the episode, just every scene has like a flashing blue light from any yeah, if window. If it hasn't, then it's then it's about to. Um, it really adds a weird vibe. <laughs> it does. The um, vibes are strange, but it's 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 cool how consistent. Like you you've mentioned, I think last week that it's neat how many of these episodes are one day. Um, and having the weather change throughout the day is a really neat way to cement that effect, I think. Yeah, because then you it, it's it strings together all like as you jump from location to location, they all have sort of a consistent like light effect on them, which I think is nice. Mm-hmm. We get a conversation between Maddie and Donna, who are here at the diner. Uh, as we mentioned, it's Donna saying like, hey, so there's this guy, Harold. He's a little odd. He seems mostly fine but i don't really get the whole i don't really know the whole situation for some reason he's got laura's secret diary uh and maddie is like god damn it we gotta tell james about this and to tell james about this we gotta like get over our thing where we both love james and you donna won't admit it right now because james paid me five five pennies worth of attention last episode so you're pretending like you don't care about it and she's like care about who i never said we couldn't see for all you know we're polly madeline yeah uh yeah she avoids the actual conflict and talks about the diary and yeah i think they they don't really come to a conclusion so much as donna says with or without it with or without him she's getting the diary yeah yep and hank steals uh, the new patron's fucking wallet and finds out that he is, uh, yeah, district attorney as the Daryl Lodwick. The aforementioned Daryl Lodwick. Uh, yeah. And so Hank seems to react to this in a way that I, I'm not exactly sure. That's why I thought, like, the district attorney was maybe there for Hank, but seems like it's not 
the case based on, you know, once we actually looked at that previous scene. But Hank is at least doing some machinations in his mind, thinking, okay, it's not empty once, first of all. Second of all, it's a district attorney. Third of all, you know, me and legal trouble kind of go hand in hand. So there's clearly something he's thinking about, a way to manipulate the situation where there's a district attorney here. Yep. Um, And I think uh, that's the end of the double R stuff for now. I think we go from that to Josie's place, where Truman finally gets to talk to her, and he's trying to get, you know, some answers, and she just deflects it every chance, yeah. She's mostly just trying to come on to him, and he's like, were you actually in Seattle? Because, you know, the mill thing, you do get a lot of insurance money out of that, so I just gotta know, like, were you involved? And she's like, uh, make out with me, actually. Yeah. What's all this about a MILF? <laughs> a MILF ire. <laughs> Why do you why have you made the MILFs hate you? <laughs> She's like, what? Do you think I got all these, you know, what you think I bought all that stuff at the cash and carry? Of course I went to Seattle. It's my alibi. I mean, I always go there. <laughs> Truman is suspicious, but also horny. Yeah. So he lets him he lets the horny take over and they start making out. Yep. And they're awkwardly watched uh through the blinds. <sighs> Forgot about that. By uh, uh, a guy who has only watched things throughout the second season, the Jonathan Kuma guy character who has been eavesdropping with newspapers. He finally speaks in this episode, but first he watches them make out through the blinds. It's like storming outside, too. It's like he appears when the lightning flashes. Weird move, John. Yeah. Uh, But anyways, we go from there to the sheriff's department once again, where Judge Sternwood arrives just kind of strolls in really a lovely character in a way that's hard to articulate without seeing the performance but there's a real warmth to all the character uh, or all the line readings and he's kind of this interesting foil for cooper because he's also an outsider who likes this place but he is a rural outsider versus the sort of like bureaucrat city slicker outsider um so they have a lot temperamentally in common but not stylistically in common so it's neat it is neat yeah i like the i like this performance a lot from just this one episode where's a bowl of tie yeah it kind of just looks like he has shoelaces tied around his neck but (laughs) still uh but anyways yeah he shows up you know asks how lucy's doing she said she'd rather not talk about it but uh he says life is hard dear still in all it's harder in most places than the twin peaks yeah it's a nice line truman Gets there and they're they're all ready to have the bond here or the bail hearing rather for Leland. Um, we end this scene before we're able to get there, though. Uh, there's a nice line from the judge where uh, he's, you know, he says, Mr. Cooper, how do you find our little corner of the world? And Cooper says, it's heaven, sir. And Judge Sternwood says, well, this week, heaven includes arson, multiple homicides, and an attempt on the life of a federal agent. And <laughs> Cooper says, well, heaven is a large and interesting place, sir. Yep. They walk off, and uh, Dick Tremaine enters the scene. He, it seems at first, like, he has had a moment where he's like, I should be a good guy. And that's not really what it he's is. He's seen the error of his ways. He's had a change of heart, mm-hmm. what you think, because he's saying, I've been over it in my mind a million times and what I've come to is this. I have to, I must do the right thing. Uh, Yeah, and 
she's she's like surprised and she's like you must and he pulls out a bunch of money and he's like you know for the you know for the for the you know the operation you know the getting rid of it Uh uh-huh and she's like fuck you please leave (laughs) and he does he take your money and get out of my face yeah uh never speak to me again as long as you live which uh accurately in all caps here in the transcript Mm -hmm. um eventually he does turn around and leave she runs and like cries in a closet which andy overhears but i think that plot is done for this episode i believe so yeah now we do get the bail hearing yep judge sternwood says the wildest shit right he's you know he says leland this is most difficult my deepest condolences on your heartbreaking loss and but then he says you've appeared before me many times i know you to be a fine decent man and a capable attorney and to see you under these circumstances is is dreadful for us all. The law provides us a structure to guide through perilous and trying times, but it requires us a submission to its procedures and higher purposes. Before we assume our respective roles in this enduring drama, just let me say that when these frail shadows we inhabit now have quit the stage, we'll meet and raise a glass together again in Valhalla. What? <laughs> Boils down to look. You're a judge. Look, man, I what? like you a lot, but you killed a guy. We will have, <laughs> you and I will have a warrior's death and we'll meet again in Valhalla. What? Weird. Yeah, and Leland says, would that it were so, which of course makes... Oh, <laughs> what a wonderful world <laughs> such would be. Would that it were so simple. <laughs> <laughs> would that it were. Would, 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 would that it were. Uh, ju- <laughs> judge Sternwood says that he's going to... Asks if he's going to represent himself, which he is. Um, but the prosecutor is not here yet. So they're like, fuck it, do it in the morning. Presumably Hank beat him up. Who could say? It's not necessarily said in this episode, but he's not no. here. So they say, fuck it, do it in the morning. So he goes, the judge is like, I'll speak for us all. We have hard jobs. <laughs> sure. We're introduced to his legal... What, what, uh, law clerk, term? I think is law the term. clerk. Yeah, do we, I don't know if we see much of her again later I or not. But they do make a point of introducing her. Her name is Sid. Seems like she and the judge are are close. They have a good relationship. Close enough that Cooper thinks that they're married, and he's like, "Nah, they're they're not." Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Cooper is does seem to be interested in her at least. But then he asks Harry if everything's set for tonight, referring to the bookhouse boy meeting him at the roadhouse, and Truman's like, yep, he'll be there. So that's something we'll check on uh, with later. And we cut from there to uh, back to the Great Northern Hotel. There's some, like, event happening off screen. I can't remember what the sign says now. It's like Lumber Queen or something. Some sort of beauty pageant is my assumption. Yeah, so, like, Ben is, like, talking to one of the girls and they're all walking from the right side of the screen to the left in the background you know doing what ben does inspecting women yeah that's one of his five skills (laughs) federal babe inspection (laughs) or whatever the (laughs) yeah Uh. absolutely and we go uh from while we're still here we go to louie checking in someone that uh she's never seen before uh at, at the great northern and they're coming from Seattle and paying cash, so she thinks that it might be this Wentz person, but 
um, un- under uh, the name under the name Tojimura. Should we rip the bandaid off I, on this I, and just spoil it? I I mean I did with my boyfriend because, because it's because strange. otherwise there's a I mean there'd be a massive racist elephant in the room of our podcast. I think if we didn't, yeah, this is Catherine in yellow face. Because she's not, she didn't die in the fire, and she's got mill plot machinations. Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with milf plot. <laughs> milf plot. Yeah, she's got milf plot machinations, uh, and in doing so, she's gone into this uh, yellow face disguise, mm-hmm. and it's unsettling. She does a voice that I can't abide, and like it's the whole thing is supposed to be that like you know the the fire has affected her vocal cords but it's just you know what it's just the nemoidians you know from the prequels is essentially what she's doing yeah we don't like it we don't like it and just kind of pointed it out also because it's just yeah it's not a thing that is a good decision on the show's part yeah as as much as you know Catherine could have put on so many other disguises that aren't racist done so many other things right (laughs) <laughs> Why didn't she try to look like a white person? She is one. <laughs> it's easier to do that when you are yeah. one. Anyway. Anyways, yes. Yeah, so that's a a, a a subplot that is introduced now and lasts for, I don't know how long, but too long, I'm sure. We get a scene with Pete, Josie, and uh, for the first time, a speaking Jonathan. Uh, he's always been this um, harrowing... Uh, voyeur, you know, he's always like watching in on scenes surreptitiously, but he's actually in this scene and she's like, Pete, meet my cousin Jonathan. Uh, and they're like, oh, howdy. And he hands him a, like, I don't know why, but he hands him like a, a mounted taxidermy scene of like a snake and a weasel. And he's like, here, hold this. And then he goes, he like leaves. It's strange. Anyway, yeah. he leaves the scene after they just have a nice little, uh, they introduce each other. Yeah. But once he leaves, all facades of niceties drop. And because Josie and Jonathan are in on some sort of scheme together. Yeah. Uh, might as well read this out because it's the first time we've had these characters interact and Jonathan speak. And he says, I don't know how you lasted six years. Nothing but hayseeds and manual laborers. Josie says, well, we all have our job to do. Yours is nearly finished. To sell the mill and the Packard lands. Signing the contract soon. I need Pete's signature. He's Catherine's heir. Will that be difficult? No. How long? Two days. We're expected back in Hong Kong. Mr. Eckhart wants very much to see you. Are there any other complications? I recognize that name, Eckhart, and I we, I couldn't place why. Like, I can't, I'm like, what's the rest of this plot? But I remember that name. Yeah, it's... I'm sure we'll get there. He's somehow related to her late husband, I think. Used to work with Andrew from the wiki. I'm sure it'll come back yeah. up. But um, she says there might be a problem with Hank. Yeah, Jonathan just says, huh, I'll deal with him. Are we suspected? Certainly not. What about the share? He means nothing to me. I saw you make it out. Y'all were fucking. I watched the whole thing weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, he means nothing to me. That's not what I asked you. And that's where the scene ends. We cut to the roadhouse. And Cooper is there waiting for, you know, Truman said he was going to send his best man, his best bookhouse boy. And Truman sits down next to Cooper and Cooper's like, is he here? Truman's like, yup. (laughs) (laughs) 
Because it's me. And he takes a second and he like snaps and points at him. It's so cute. It I, is. I mean, it's clear, but I shift these two so hard. Mm-hmm. They smile anytime they see each other. You know, they like they're such a great pair. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there is I, I one of the DV, or Blu-rays I have of the TV set did have outtakes. And it was just like one scene of the two of them from the pilot uh, talking. But then it also included one other scene from I don't even remember. I think maybe it's near the end of this season because I think the set looked like the mist. Twin Peaks thing. Sure. But anyways, there is a scene of them standing and eventually like like the outtake is Cooper grabbing Harry and they go in for a kiss. <laughs> so I think Cute. I think they knew the chemistry when they were shooting it. I think so, yeah. Uh but anyways, yes, it's very great. Cooper has also organized like the basket of peanuts out in front of him in a shape, which is very neat. Because because of course he would fill the time that way. Hmm. I don't even notice that. Harry asks if they're in a rush, and Cooper's answer to that is uh, them getting a beer before they... I mean, their discussion is in the next episode, because this episode's almost over. The last scene is uh, Hank. That's right. Yeah, Jonathan arrives after hours at the Double R Diner, and Hank's like, we're closed. And he doesn't, and Jonathan doesn't say anything, and Hank's like, uh, do I know you? And then Jonathan goes in for a punch, and... Jonathan is much smaller than Hank. Jonathan definitely has the height advantage, but Hank doesn't even land a single punch. No, he gets Jonathan his ass handed to him. That quick, yeah. He, co- Hank is completely leveled by Jonathan here. Yep. Um, and Jonathan basically says nothing except for, like, after they've fought. He's like, next, I've, you know, he, like, cuts him on the finger uh, and he's like, next time I'll take your head off. And then he leaves. Yeah, they do the, the bloody thumb thing uh, that was in the first season with Hank and Josie. That's true. He does that and yeah. calls him Blood Brother. But uh, he says, Blood Brother, next time I'll take your head off. Um, and that's where the episode ends. That's true. You'll be shocked to learn that this credit sequence goes over Laura Palmer's homecoming picture. Impossible. It's, <laughs> we- it's a weird choice to me that the return shows a different photo of Laura to end every episode with. But anywho... Joe, where are you on the internet? Twitter.com slash Ghost of Joe, Ghost of J-O, on another podcast called We Are Watching One Piece, where I rewatch One Piece with my co-host, Dory, who's watching it for the first time. We're still in Whole Cake, which we will be for a little bit longer. And other than that, I'm on Interstitial, which you can find on the Patreon for this show, which we'll plug here in a minute. Wheels, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Singular Wheels. Uh, that's where you can find links and things to... Uh, my other podcast, Very Random Encounters, that's where some friends and I play tabletop role-playing games and randomly determine as much as is possible. Taking a break the week that this is going up, but if you haven't listened to Big Bang Superstars, you can listen to the entirety of that very off-the-wall cosmic wizards mini season. <laughs> very fun. And then after that, we've got, I'm sure you're all wondering why I've gathered you all here this evening, which is a... Uh, murder palooza in a fancy mansion that was a ton of fun and then after that uh we jump into things from the flood which is a 90s it's set in the 90s in like a kind of sci-fi 90s where there's robots and things but also you're still using walkman and discman and uh you know we play teens trying to solve supernatural mysteries that's uh the things from the flood season that's upcoming 
on Very Random Encounters. It's a sequel to a previous season, but you should be able to just jump in. But you could listen to Tales from the Loop if you wanted the full context. That's the season to which it is a sequel. You can find all of that at vre.show, and you can buy the book of Random Encounters for fantasy tabletop role-playing games that I co-wrote with those co-hosts. That's at bit.ly forward slash random book with a capital R and B. Hell yeah. You can find this show on Twitter at MemorizeCast and our pin tweet and show notes. You'll find links like our Discord or our Patreon. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash MemorizeCast where you can get these episodes early. If you are listening to Interstitial and you want to binge the rest of the season, you can go check that out there. Also at the $1 level. Also, we're going to be back to doing monthly bonus episodes this month. And uh, we're about to record the first one. I'm I'm taking the I'm taking the reins again now that we're done with Elder Scrolls for at least a little while, uh, and I'm gonna ex- listener. Are you ready? You, are you ready to, to, to are, are are like? Did you know that the Matrix has you? The Matrix has you over at the Patreon, and the Matrix is also gonna have wheels because I'm gonna explain some Matrix lore to wheels, which uh is exciting. It's gonna be me at a computer terminal while you type things about the White Rabbit. Uh huh. That's it. That's the whole episode. And you can get that for five dollars uh, if you go there. And also all the old ones. If you haven't listened to any of the Elder Scrolls stuff where we read like the entirety of a manuscript of a graphic novel that never got made. That's a thing we did. And you can listen to it. Sure did. Uh, and I think that's, I guess, it for plugs. So you could find a link to the theme music that we use in the show notes. And yeah, I, I mean, anything else you want is probably there. Our Twitters are there, even though we've plugged them. And I did the intro, which means wheels, it's your turn to to take us home. That was the fourth episode of the second season, titled Laura's Secret Diary, episode 11, but overall the twelfth episode. Got it memorized.